you see Israel. I mean, God tells them in Deuteronomy, he says, do not fail to keep my commandments, to tell your young people and and your children about this, that they may also experience freedom, Mm -hmm. right? And my blessing. And then you see later, of course, we all know this, where it says, hey, guess what? They failed to do that. Mm-hmm. They failed to tell their children of the wonderful things God had done. They failed to remember the goodness of God. And they got themselves in a world of hurt. And we are seeing that right now as a nation. We have failed to remind, to teach our children about the goodness of what this country was founded on, about why it matters that the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence are different than any other constitution in the world. And how that impacts our living, how you carry on liberty for the next generation, we failed to do that. We failed to perpetuate. We just sort of thought it would, I think, just be there somehow. Hi, welcome to Wild and Beautiful. We're Joanna Hyatt and Lauren Enriquez, your co-hosts who every week are helping you live out your faith in a way that's biblically rooted, but culturally relevant. You know what's fun? What's fun? Is when your dog gets sprayed not once, but twice by a skunk in one week. In one One week. week. One week. First time last week was like, I think it was like a drive-by misting. (laughs) Skunk was on the other side of the fence. And I mean, that's like the definition of crop dusting right there. Okay. And But then the second time, last night, my husband smelled the skunk and flung open the back door, dog comes running in. And whereas before she had just been kind of like amped on adrenaline, Mm -hmm. this time she starts trying to rub up against the couch. I thought, crud, she actually got sprayed and the house smelled horrible. So once again, last night, we're washing her with hydrogen peroxide and Mm -hmm. baking soda and dish soap and like stripping linens and all this stuff around the house. The house still smells like skunk. Oh, just just a little bit, like just a bit where you're like, is it in my nostrils? Is it uh-huh. in my mind? Or is this a real thing? Yeah. But you know, it's bad when the best thing that smells in your house was the dirty Swiffer pad because yeah. it had the like cleaning. Oh my gosh. <laughs> the Febre- it's Febrezing your house. I just kept smelling that mm-hmm. and then scrub the, mop the floor. Oh my smell. gosh. <laughs> okay. Um. So my, the extent of my knowledge about cleaning skunk smell off of an animal comes from the show Curious George. Where they bathed like in the children's show? Yeah. Okay. Love Do it. Tell. That's my favorite children's show, other than Little Bear. Um, we're gonna talk about another children's show that we used mm-hmm. to like later. Mm-hmm. But uh apparently tomato juice is what they use in Curious George. Ever know, heard of it? Is there any is this up, a wives' tale? I don't know, because I grew up hearing that. And uh-huh. first of all, I don't have vats of tomato juice just sitting <laughs> right. in the basement. Like, who has that? <laughs> Second of all, um, have you ever tried to bathe a dog? Because they shake. This Water is shaking point. everywhere is one thing. Mm-hmm. Tomato juice? Yeah. So everything I found online last night did not ever mention tomato juice. Okay. It was like, it, for dogs, it was hydrogen peroxide diluted. Otherwise, our black dog becomes mm-hmm. a horrible bleach job. Um, <laughs> or it was like vinegar. I, I don't know. Which All also I know smells bad. Is, it sounds like we live in the country, and we do not. We live in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. We live in a lovely little neighborhood where we can see our neighbors on either side of us and mm-hmm. they can see our crazy children. Mm-hmm. And yet we have a skunk problem. So stay tuned, folks. We're going to trap that thing because I am not making this a weekly occurrence. Do you Four see, kids is plenty. Do you see the skunks or do you just smell them? 
We smell them, but Andrew's pretty sure he saw it run across the okay. yard one it's, day. I, I smell them. We have them around here, but I, I've never seen one in the you flesh. You can smell them up to a thousand miles away. Oh so my pretty gosh. sure people in Idaho now smell us. Okay, so cool. the skunks are probably living out in the country and we yeah. they're just spraying us here in the suburbs. Mm. I did film, I always film when there's a cool animal in the yard and I filmed an armadillo this morning that got in uh, into the yard and was running around looking for a way out, which was very cute. <laughs> Apparently they're blind. And then that's the state animal of Texas. Then I also filmed a possum walking by my office one night, my office window with like her whole gaggle of babies on her back. It was so cute, but they're also disgusting. So, oh, well, (laughs) we have every once in a while, a deer will wander into this. You're like, you're lost. You're so lost. Um, And then my husband saw like a muskrat or something the other day. I thought, what is mm-hmm. happening? It just feels like nature's constantly trying mm-hmm. to take over, which I yeah. appreciate. Like things are always trying to revert back to right. natural order, chaos, whatever. So, <laughs> um, speaking of children's shows, right? Peppa Pig. Peppa Pig. Have you heard about those children who will watch Peppa Pig in the U.S. and then they will only speak in a British accent? Are Isn't you that adorable? Oh my gosh, I've seen videos of it and it is the cutest thing. I've, and I get it because once you hear that accent, you're like, wait, why Way do we better. have this accent? That one's so much right. better. <laughs> I would have Peppa Pig, my kids would watch in Spanish. Like if, because oh, I don't of think course the stories, they do. I don't think the stories are very substantive. Like watch Berenstein Bears if you want to learn a great lesson. Peppa Pig couldn't tell you what it's about. Mm-hmm. But if you watch it in Spanish, at least I can justify <laughs> that we're spending the screen time. But no more, friends. No more because <sighs> they Peppa went woke. Pig. They Peppa, did. Peppa went woke. They introduced their first LGBTQ couple mm-hmm. to Mama Bears. Mama, I pandas? don't know. I, I think it's Mama Polar Bears. I only saw the headline and I in a conversation died about families. Inside. And they, it says they gave. You know, they they did it because um, they had received so much pushback. Now. From the LGBTQ community. Yeah, not the parents whose kids are watching Peppa Pig. I, I would just I mean, I would you. just love to know what does that mean? Like mm-hmm. how many people when 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 it says, well, we did this because we received pressure, but like how many people? Because for the longest time, uh, you know, the LGBTQ community of society was considered to be about three to four percent of people who self-identified as lesbian or homosexual, same sex attracted. Mm-hmm. And that has sort of stayed consistent for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, plus or minus some room for error. We've suddenly in the last few years seen a massive spike in people identifying uh, within this uh, sexual orientation group. We could argue in large part, not because suddenly people are feeling comfortable to identify publicly, but in fact, because pressure is, uh, culture is pressuring people to say, this is the preferred Mm -hmm. group. This is how you avoid actually discrimination and hostility. Uh, This is how you reap the benefits of society and special status Mm -hmm. is to identify. And people aren't dumb, right? Our inclination is to go, where am I going to be protected? We, We don't like seek out how to be in controversy. Yeah. It's really sad to see it with children's shows because I remember even before the LGBTQ um, worldview was really like mainstreamed, when we were little, the show Arthur introduced Mm -hmm. um, a same-sex couple. 
I think it was a number of seasons into the show, but that was before you would even see that on like adult shows very often. Right. Um, it was an early introduction. And it's really sad to see that we're experimenting with these worldviews on children, like the most yep. vulnerable, impressionable people group among us. And the whole purpose of a children's show should be that you can set your child in front of it and not worry that they're going to be exposed to something that you wouldn't be exposing them to as the parent. They should be getting uh, reiterations of what you're trying to teach them. And just to do it on a show like Arthur, like Peppa Pig, where as parents, we've watched these shows. We know what to expect from the show. We know we can trust the show. We've vetted it. And now, unless you've seen this headline running around in the news, you're going to set your kid in front of Peppa Pig while you go make dinner and have no idea that there's two mother polar bears in, in the show now. Well, and lest you think, by the way, like this is a unified message coming from the LGBT community. Uh, a friend sent me a few videos from the Instagram handle Gaze Against Groomers. Have you seen this? Ooh, no, but I like the handle. Yeah. <laughs> so it's men and women who identify as same-sex attracted mm -hmm. who are speaking out against this push to have young children mutilate their bodies against this push to tell young children, you know what your gender identity is, you know, all these things. And so it's, it's important to remember that when you hear a headline that says, this has happened because this community spoke out, they don't speak for everybody in that community. There, yeah. there is a divergence of thought. And that's a whole different episode about why there is this divergency of, of opinion and belief, even within uh, this, this particular community. Uh, but just to know that, that not everybody is on board with this. And I think we're going yeah. to see in the coming days and years, <laughs> unlikely allies, mm -hmm. right? As we're saying, you know what? The line in the sand is we protect our children. I think there's going to be people that say, I will disagree with you on 99% of other things, but on this, yeah. I am with you and we will start there. Yeah. And it's interesting to me that I, I've seen so many companies that will change, you know, they'll introduce um, the gay worldview or they'll change something that they're selling or they'll pull their advertising from a show because one person complained. One mm -hmm. person wrote in and said that I'm, I'm offended by this. And we are always hearing about the LGBTQ lobby unifying together to demand some type of action. And I have to ask, and this is sort of like a me criticizing myself because then I think like, wait, where's my lobby? Like, why didn't mm -hmm. I get to this TV show first and either thank them for, you know, having good morals on their show or encourage them to continue promoting family values on their show? Like, maybe we need to take a page out of that playbook and be um, competing for the attention and the, um, action of these companies. I like that. Okay. Hold that thought because that actually ties into something we're going to discuss later mm -hmm. about whether you're trying to actively change um, or preserve, perpetuate something. There you go. Okay. Next hot take from this wink, wink, from this <laughs> week. Jayla. I don't think that's her nickname. I just gave it to her. No, it Jennifer is. Lawrence. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Good. Good. Jayla. Jennifer Lawrence. So I didn't even know Jennifer Lawrence was married. That was my first yes. discovery, uh, which then led to a child, second discovery, mm -hmm. because she was in the news this week talking about her sweet little baby boy mm -hmm. and also how our politics are killing people because Roe versus Wade was overturned. Right. You want to unpack that one? <laughs> I don't know what there is to unpack. I don't understand. Okay, how about her quote? How about her quote? <laughs> yeah, that I left can tell us you just what. So, like, 
perplexed. I can tell you what she said. So she was talking about, um, it, and at the same time, she's talking about this new baby she has, and she's talking about miscarriages that she's had in the past. And she said about her child, which I actually found this so endearing, and I can totally just like hear the Jennifer Lawrence voice. She said, I mean, the euphoria of Psy, it's just Jesus, it's impossible. And then she said, I always tell him, I love you so much, it's impossible. And as a mom that's had a, had babies, I, that is an exactly correct summary of how you feel about your baby. You just look at your baby and you're like, I don't understand how I could possibly love you any more than I do. But then at the same time, and I honestly, I feel sorry for her because this girl is so confused. She was bemoaning how, um, when she had her first miscarriage, she was already intending to abort that child. So it was sort of a happy coincidence to her that she miscarried. And you just want to you just want to say to them like it your child who you're now holding in your arms was once in your womb and deserved just as much love as you're showing him now when he was in your womb and just not to just not to see the disconnect there it's so sad to see all the celebrities that are bemoaning the reversal of Roe v. Wade when Roe v. Wade has done nothing but damage to our countries and damage to a lot of their lives. Because when these people tell their abortion stories, not J-Law, because to my knowledge, she hasn't actually had an abortion, um, but the ones who do, and they tell the stories and they act like they're empowered by it, you can just see through this supposed empowerment to hurt. These people are hurting. It's coming through in the way that they tell their stories. And yet I think they feel so pressured to perpetuate this narrative that they're empowered by abortion, that they're saying words that they don't even believe. Like, and you just see it in this J-Law interview where she's saying two completely contradictory things and just doesn't even seem to realize what she's doing. Well, and at the end, I mean, one of the articles I was reading, she says something like, now anytime I hear a baby cry, I just go, oh, because they're so defense. She says something about them being defenseless, mm. these squishy little bundles. Of, and I— and so you just think, okay, on some level, yeah. you know that this is a defenseless, squishy little bundle of mm-hmm. goodness. Mm-hmm. And yet you are also being pressured to say, but it's okay to kill them sometimes if you don't want them. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, we can't even say that that disconnect is limited to people who don't profess to follow God. Yeah. Because, of course, you and I, I mean, we talk about this a lot. Mm-hmm. We rant against it in our personal chats of how increasingly we're seeing people who claim to be followers of Christ, who claim to know the truth, lack any sort of logic. And I'm going to, I know that's, I know that sounds harsh, but it is a lack of logic Mm -hmm. to say in some cases, this, this child has, has value. And in some cases is, it does not, um, because it defies science. It defies reason. It defies natural law. Um, and, and to try to kind of play both sides of the fence of like, I want you to like me, but also, uh, you know, I, I adhere to biblical truth. Mm -hmm. You don't like, Mm -hmm. actually, Jesus is pretty clear. You're not going to be liked. It's just the way it is. And if more people would just stand up courageously, but lovingly say, no, that's not true. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Actually, it is a squishy, lovable little thing that we should protect all the time. And I'm not going to be cowed by the screaming mob. I believe we would start to see a shift. Mm-hmm. I have to think that if more people in Hollywood actually had more children too, mm-hmm. it would help. <laughs> because there's so many single people who are perpetuating the belief that like pursuing your dreams and putting off family and 
uh, no fault divorce is the way to happiness. And you just have to think maybe if more of these people, these people in Silicon Valley and these people in Hollywood would just have more children, they would see like, oh, I had it wrong. And that would start to be reflected in their product. But something we have to And you start for. to realize it's not a zero-sum game. Like, mm-hmm. if I have this thing over here, therefore I cannot have that over there. Yeah. Like, when I teach my children, like, just because one person receives this blessing doesn't mean that I or God have run out of blessings. Right. There's still lots more to give. You receiving a goodness in this area doesn't receive now mean you have to take a loss over in this other area. And again, that's sort of our cultural perception of, like, you, you can have it all, but you can't have it all. Mm-hmm. And it's this weird dichotomy. So, yeah. So, let's see. We've got Peppa Pig, J-Law. Um, the Queen died. Want to talk about the Queen? Should we not talk about the Queen? We can talk about the Queen. I feel like you have a hostility towards the Queen. I don't have fine. a hostility You're toward the You're the one monarchy. person on social media who doesn't, maybe. I'm not on social media, so. That's probably good. You're getting a lot of hate right now just for your apathy towards the Queen. Actually, I was on social media yesterday for the person I work for whose accounts I manage. And I was floored by the number of, of like out, outright monstrous tweets about the queen's death. There was like one trending. Like rude? To- yes. There was Why? like one trending topic about, you know, rest in peace. We loved you. You know, you were a great leader. Then there were like two or three under that, that were like, celebrating that she had died, making fun of the fact that she had ever lived at all. I mean, oh my gosh, the animosity, it was just, it was discouraging. So seeing that, I kind of placed myself definitely more in the camp of like, this was a great woman who definitely doesn't deserve that. My only like critique of the queen is that and I don't know how all of British politics works. I know she does. She was the head of the, the church, not exactly the head of the state in the same way the prime minister was, but abortion really flourished under her. And I wished that because she was known for going out of her way to say, we can't let our country lose its religion. We can't let our country lose its morality. Um, I just didn't really see her like specifically hone in on abortion. And I, I kind of wonder if like the trajectory of that issue could have been different in their country if she had been more outspoken about that particular issue. But, you know, I'm a one issue voter unapologetically. So and she did a lot of great things. So, you know, that's my little American across the pond perspective. Admittedly, the, the bulk of my knowledge of her is based on The Crown. Thank you, Netflix. <laughs> for that. And because of that, I'm like, she was lovely. You also realize how difficult it is. Again, a good reminder, like things look great from the outside. Wouldn't it be wonderful to marry a prince? No, (laughs) No. it would not actually. That was the lesson from the crown. Mm -hmm. And, but in, in you saying that it makes me think again, the value that mothers have Mm. physical mothers. Yes. Yeah. But also mothers of you know, spiritual mothers, yeah. and mothers of a nation. I mean, she, in a sense, I think part of why her loss is so great is for many, she has been the constant. I mean, her first prime minister was Winston Churchill. Mm-hmm. Okay. Winston yep. Churchill. And very cool that the last prime minister she got to welcome in um, mm-hmm. was a woman. Mm-hmm. But for so many, she's sort of been that that mom presence who mm-hmm. has just been yeah, there that's a steady great point. through all of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. I bet she could have found a way to lovingly speak to this, to to the value of family, uh, of children. And, you know, you can't ultimately stem the tide if everybody else is going in the opposite direction. Mm -hmm. But 
never underestimate the power that we as women have um, in taking on those mother roles in teaching and training up and speaking truth uh, with with boldness, but also this just nurturing edge to us that says, hey, I am for you and it's because I'm for you yeah. that I'm going to call these things out. That's so good, Joe. I love how you had that broader that perspective to share. All because of what you said. Look at us. <laughs> okay. Now we get to the fun part as though this oh boy. first part wasn't fun. Okay, friends. Uh, so this came about because you were in a funk. What are we talking about? We're talking about the end of America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard somebody. I was in a funk because I realized that we're totally in a post-Christian America. I mean, listen, Drew Clavin has been saying the fall of the republic. Thank you for being here for the fall of the republic. I think it like, like sunk years. into my heart the last few mm. weeks, though. And it was like this grieving process of like, I think in the back of my head, I thought that maybe that Christian America is still within we could reclaim it or something. Like it's just in corners. Like maybe there's yeah. just pockets that yeah. have, you know, like you've got your little Sodom and Gomorrahs that we can just mm-hmm. sort of pray into the ocean. <laughs> Is that, no, no, you yeah. can't say that? Probably not. Well, I mean, you just did. So there we are. I did. And I live on the side of the country that people probably pray, hey, I just let fault line, would just like knock it off. Mm-hmm. But that's not the actually the response we should take. Right, exactly. <laughs> so we had a good kind of chat about this. And as as per usual, you helped me see like all the sides and not just sink into my little cynical. Should we cynical, it for everybody who's Not listening? just let my little island of cynicism sink into the ocean. Yes. You are rather cynical. Um, okay. Well, but but I, th- there is merit in what you were saying and you were saying this week of, hey, folks, and we said this before, right? Like we're not living in a time that we would say there are robust Judeo-Christian values mm-hmm. uh, that are really woven into the fabric of culture. Yes. We're not living in a time where we would say, you know, culture, politics, um, education, everybody, everything seems to really be holding to this Western tradition, this Jew, no. I think we all agree on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there is there is a grieving and a sadness when you realize not only are we not living that, we, we're not even like kind of at the end of it. I think we are post that mm-hmm. uh, because you see this hostility that comes against those of us who hold to values that are Judeo-Christian mm-hmm. and therefore also traditionally American and, and traditionally American because our country, and we've talked about this, was founded on Judeo-Christian principles mm-hmm. and values. That's how you have a free society. That's mm-hmm. how you have an ordered society. That's how you have a society um, that does not rank people against one another based yeah. on immutable characteristics. It says, no, like while we are all born, you know, different and with different opportunities, we all have value regardless mm-hmm. of all of these things. And so yeah. there is a grieving. There is a grieving yeah. to, to see what America once was uh, as the standard bearer in the world. We take that for granted now yeah. because we have grown up, most of us have grown up in a world where America has existed for 200 something years. Yeah, which is the longest running nation under a single constitution in history, right? Yeah. And the only way though it has maintained is because you had one generation and the next generation that, and then one after that, that held the values and belief system that that constitution was ultimately rooted in. Mm -hmm. And now we live in a time where people are actively trying to knock out the pillars and the foundations Mm -hmm. and still have the system of government 
And it's not going to work. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. I was smiling when you were talking about like the order and the freedom and the Christian principles because it's like, yes, that's what makes America great. And that's what when you put your hand over your heart and you sing the national anthem, like that is what I'm thinking about. Like this Mm -hmm. country where these heroic men, they didn't die for like— the capture of more lands or something. They died so that we could be free and freedom is the prerequisite for living virtue. And so in that sense, like as the freest and most ordered nation, America had the most potential to be the most virtuous. Mm -hmm. And that I think is like what I feel like so many of us are grieving right now that it feels like a lost opportunity. But then you reminded me about this, well, told me about, because I didn't know about the speech that Lincoln had given, and it shed a new perspective for me. So please, please do share. Okay. Hold on. I'm pulling this up. Um, So this, this actually comes from a book I'm reading through. It's called His Greatest Speeches, How Lincoln Moved the Nation. It's by Diana Schaub. And so she looks at three of his speeches. And, and, And by the way, like I'm a history nerd, but I am always amazed at the ability of people in the past to write and articulate in a way that is lasting. Like when mm-hmm. I look at our current landscape, I think, okay, what that is being written or spoken right now is going to last for another hundred years. I can tell good you question. it's not a single TikTok video. <laughs> and then, okay? There's Even if they did good it ones though, Joe, they're I know funny. there are some. I still don't think in a hundred years though, people are going to be like, that was literary genius. <laughs> Valid. <laughs> Let us unpack this for its true meaning. Valid. Okay. If okay. we are unpacking TikToks in a hundred years, like I'm, my cynicism will have been very well-placed. Let me just that's say true. that. That's true. If that's like the height of, okay, <laughs> we digress. So anyway, in this one speech, I never heard of the speech. He gives this uh, speech to the Lyceum, like men's college or something. Okay. And and the the topic he chose was on the perpetuation of our, if I have it right, political institutions. But this, this idea, this is what was so striking. And here's what you got to understand. Okay, so he's giving this speech this will sound very familiar to some of us. He's giving this speech in a time where there's increasing violence, right? Where he is seeing abolitionists who are being killed yeah. simply because and targeted because of their stance against what was the prevailing mm-hmm. peculiar way, mm-hmm. slavery. Yep. The pre- prevailing peculiar way right now would be abortion, mm-hmm. right? And, and the hostility that we see at pregnancy clinics and pro-life individuals and groups experiencing. So he, so he's speaking up because he says, I see this violence. I see uh, this sort of loss of rule of law. And his concern was that a leader would come in who would take advantage of that, who would not be one who reinstated the rule of law, but instead used it as an opportunity to basically restrict and remove people's freedoms. And so he talks about actually the perpetuation of our government and, and perpetuating is to, to cause to endure indefinitely, right? So here's what I thought was interesting was that a lot of times we think of those who are right of center as conservatives, as in you are trying to conserve something. Even Tucker Carlson, we were talking about a video he did mm-hmm. where he talks about preserving. But if you think mm-hmm. about the original intent of that word, to preserve I can. To preserve is to try to either pickle or stop something in its current state. So it it never goes, it's just, it is what it has always been in that time. Um, and let me see if I can find this quote. <clears throat> so this, she's, she's talking, uh, the author is talking about how he, he was not just saying we are to preserve this current state of 
American independence and liberty, but instead perpetuate. So the entire focus of perpetuation is on the everlasting, the eternal, the unchanging. And he was declaring, as a nation of free men, we must live through all time. This is Lincoln's quote, or die by suicide. So the question that always preoccupied Lincoln was whether or not free government can endure. Mm-hmm. And that the way it endures, and his, his solution was that people should consistently and regularly be reading the Constitution, mm. be reading the Declaration of Independence, yeah. be familiarizing themselves with the documents that are meant to be perpetuated. Yeah. So, friends, biblical application here. You see this in the Old Testament, right? Like you, I'm like on a TED Talk here, but bear with me. One more minute. You see Israel. I mean, God tells them in Deuteronomy, he says, do not fail to keep my commandments, to tell your young people and and your children about this, that they may also experience freedom, Mm -hmm. right? And my blessing. And then you see later, of course, we all know this, where it says, hey, guess what? They failed to do that. Mm -hmm. They failed to tell their children of the wonderful things God had done. They failed to remember the goodness of God. And they got themselves in a world of hurt. And we are seeing that right now as a nation. We have failed to remind, to teach our children about the goodness of what this country was founded on, about why it matters that the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence are different than any other Constitution in the world, and how that impacts our living, how you carry on liberty for the next generation. We failed to do that. We failed to perpetuate. We just sort of thought it would, I think, just be there somehow. Yeah. Well, and that kind of goes back to the Tucker Carlson video we were talking about. So it was that he was, he gave like a three minute kind of um, commentary on what has happened to the city of Memphis. So Memphis, horrible. yeah, Memphis at one point in history was so um, well-developed and well-run and safe and peaceful and ordered um, and welcoming that it was considered like the capital of the Mississippi Delta region. Um, And over the years, it declined in large part, I guess, because crime wasn't policed as as closely, as severely as it should have been. And now the most recent story out of Memphis is that uh, a young mom who was jogging was a abducted and assaulted and killed um, and and just dumped behind a building in a seedy neighborhood in Memphis. And I think in Memphis at a Target, a mom and her baby, Mm -hmm. I think it was also Memphis, um, were abducted. I don't know if they have found those two yet, but at the time we're recording this, but just his point was... He said at one point in, in his monologue, he said, memory, history is your best defense against manipulation. And that goes back to exactly what you just pointed out about what Lincoln said about reading the Constitution, teaching the Constitution to our children, and for that matter, the Bible on which much of the Constitution, let's be mm-hmm. honest, is is rooted. Um, and, and not letting history be rewritten by those who would prefer a different future than the one that America has already that the one that America promises if we can adhere to those principles. So it's just sad. It's sad to see what is happening in our country. And I think what I realized the last few weeks is that it's okay to just kind of grieve that yes. and to know that this the golden age may be over for right now, but that doesn't mean that you just lay down in the mud and wallow. It means you have to just strategize, okay, what's my role in making sure that the future looks different than the present? Well, and in grieving, it's actually facing reality 
to then move forward in a more effective way. Because right. if you don't face reality, you will never engage with reality That's in a, good a way point. that shifts it. And, and so, you know, I think we probably all have areas that we grieve. We grieve, we, you may grieve the loss of a TV show that you could trust. You know, you may grieve uh, where education is going and what it's doing to thousands of children every day in this country. Uh, you may grieve how abortion, you know, proponents are digging in and the inconsistency, whatever it is that causes you to grieve. I think that's in some ways God giving us just like a taste of his grief mm. to carry with him, to say co-burden with me. Um, but in our grief, God also promises to provide a way forward. I mean, it mm -hmm. says in Joel 1, I'm going to read this. It says, hear this, you elders, listen all who live in the land. Has anything like this ever happened in your days mm. or in the days of your forefathers? Mm. Yes. <laughs> you read Ecclesiastes, it says, there is no new thing under the sun. Tell it to your children and let your children tell it to their children and their children to the next generation. Mm -hmm. I believe that's a telling both of the good that we have experienced and a telling of the bad, the, the, the evil, the consequences. I mean, this is the reason we should be teaching our children about the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. This is why we should talk about slavery in the history of America so that our children can learn from that. But then it says, Joel 1-3, what the locust swarm has left, the great locusts have eaten, um, what the great locusts have left the young. So he, excuse me, that's not the part I want to get to. Um, so he's talking about how there's this destruction later in Joel. He says, I will restore to you what the locusts mm. have taken. That's the promise. I want to remind yeah. you. Not the part where he eats everything. <laughs> they eat everything. But that's the promise is that we ultimately, we serve a God who restores. We serve a God who mm -hmm. redeems. We serve a God who takes our mourning and brings joy um, but you have to walk through those valleys. You have to walk through those seasons because we do live in a broken world. We live in a world uh, that is diseased by sin. Mm -hmm. And until Christ comes to redeem it, we're always going to live in that tension. And so grieve what is lost and then seek the Lord to say, what would you have me do mm -hmm. to begin to build um, for the next generation? Build freedom, build an opportunity for people to encounter the gospel, to pray um, in hope. We, we've talked about this. We are to be a people of hope. That is the one thing Christians have over everybody because we know that this is not it. And so grieve the loss. Don't try to preserve what was in the past, but seek to perpetuate what is good in your homes and in your communities. And in that way, you'll be wild and beautiful. One was going to find a way to put that tagline. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Well, hey, friends, thanks so much for hanging out with us while we talked about all kinds of things uh, mm. in the news this week. If you have not, please do rate, review, share this. It helps ensure that Wild and Beautiful podcast gets out to other people. For credibility's sake, I just want to note that you can only actually smell a skunk 3.5 miles away. But if you've ever smelled one, it might as well be a thousand miles.